Let's read together now from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passage of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you be seated? Father in heaven, we love you and thank you for your word. Thank you for this church, your church. And this one particular expression of it called PCPC, which you started, which you were leading, which we trust will continue to bring you glory until the day in which you return for your bride, the whole church. Oh God, we are the church and we need you. Thank you for what we've already confessed. And Lord, as we prepare to come to this table today to be fed, would you move even now, Holy Spirit, enabling us to hear, to think, and to feel, to see, and then to act upon all that is true before us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You made it here today. It's a bit of a journey. Some of you travel a long ways every Sunday. Some of you are in walking distance. Every one of you can identify a moment in your life when you first stepped into this church. For some of you, it wasn't this location. 25 years ago, May, it was in a school. I'm surprised by the, the number of people that turned out. Zeal and encouragement filled your souls. God had birthed a new church, a new expression of his church. For some of you, it wasn't your feet that first stepped into this place because you were being carried in your mother's arms. Some of you, today's your very first Sunday. And you were here evaluating. You were looking around wondering if this place is for you. And there's a lot of us in between. A lot of us in between. And praise God for that. But every one of us have been called to this place, at least for this moment, to hear what you're about to hear and to feast at a table that is his table. And we all have a story. There are some here today who are yet to believe in Jesus. And maybe you're here because you're seeking to see whether or not he's true. There are others who have believed in him as long as they can remember. And some believe deeply in him but don't feel close to him right now. We're all on this journey and we feel it. It is a journey between now, what we know, and the moment he calls us home where we see him face to face. And that journey is a journey of discovery. But it's not a journey of discovery as we might think. 
For many people, the journey of discovery is about finding out who they are. Well, this morning as we prepare to come to the table, briefly, I want to share three things about this from the text. I want to talk about identity, I want to talk about mission, and I want to talk about mercy. This is just an introduction to the letter, 1 Peter, and to the life of Peter, which we're going to spend pretty much the entire academic year in this little letter and in narratives that follow. So I want to begin by talking about identity. Chad set it up. All of these different names. Paul gives us in verse 9 the following. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. Your identity, if you are a Christian, is really not something that you're trying to discover on this journey. You, brother and sister in Christ, already have a permanent identity. That identity is described in verse 9. If you are a Christian, you are already these things. You are a chosen race. You're part of that race. You are a royal priesthood. We in Christ are a part of a holy nation. We are, listen to this, God's very own possession. Think of the way in which you love your children. Your love is not perfect for them as much as you want it to be, but God's love for you is perfect. Your identity is not what you're trying to discover on this journey. You already know who you are. And isn't that really wonderful? Have you ever tried out for something? And it wasn't like it is today where everybody kind of makes the team, but it, but it really was a tryout. Fifth grade, basketball. I tried out, maybe 50 of us, the Overholzer Oilers. After a week of tryouts, I went to the sheet of paper and I looked for my name and it was not there. And if your name wasn't there, you didn't make the team. And I shouldn't have made the team. I stunk. I did, I was terrible. I am part of his family. I am God's own son. I made the list. Even though I stunk, even though it's worse than that, I didn't just stink because of a little bit of sin. Like you, I was dead dead spiritually, but because he wanted me, because he put me on that list, that's my identity. And that identity is permanent. It cannot be taken away. If you're in Jesus Christ, you've professed faith in Christ, you've confessed your sins to Jesus, you know that he is the only savior and he has saved you, that's your identity and it is permanent. In fact, it's the only identity you have that is permanent. Any other way you would describe yourself the rest of your life is not permanent. 
but that one is. That's a big deal. Paul or Peter also gives us temporary titles of identity. Did you see those? First, he mentions another permanent one, beloved. This is in verse 11. Beloved, that's permanent. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, those are not permanent identity statements. They are temporary. One day, all who are in Christ will no longer be known as exiles. It will no longer be known as aliens and strangers and pilgrims. We will no longer be called that because we will be at home finally in that beautiful, incredible city that we can't even imagine. It's amazing. But sometimes because the journey is so hard, we tend to think that the title exile or sojourner or pilgrim or alien is permanent. My friend, it's not. And no matter how hard or how difficult life is for you right now in your marriage or in raising children, or if you're experiencing the pain of the sojourn in your physical body because of disease, or a loved one struggling with anxiety or depression, your permanent identity, Christian, is that you're part of a holy race. You're His, and that can never be taken away. Our identity in Christ is permanent, but it's also progressive. And here's what I mean by that. This idea of permanent and progressive is gonna be a theme that Peter uses a lot. What I mean by that is that though our identity is permanent, there is a progressive understanding of it while we walk this side of heaven in the already and the not yet. There is a progressive understanding and it works like this. Right now, you are hearing again the truth of who you are. You do not, like me, understand that truth completely. But as we continue to avail ourselves of the means of grace, His holy word, prayer, the sacraments, He continues to teach us. He progresses in us so that we understand more fully who we are permanently in Him. The word progress means happening gradually, developing in stages, proceeding step by step. And that's why we're looking at this theme, sojourn. If you are a sojourner, you're in Christ, that's permanent. But the journey is a journey of progression where you're learning more and more about who you are. Well, I'm gonna move on from identity and I'm gonna to move to the, the mission of those who are described here. In the second part of verse 9, Peter says this, after he describes who we are, he says, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, 25 years ago, when the Lord birthed this church, it had a mission. That mission hasn't changed. And from now till 25 years, unless Christ returns, that mission will not change. 50 years from now, I'll be 102. I'm not sure where I'll be. I have a good idea. The mission won't change. The mission is that we have 
the message of ultimate hope, of eternal hope, that goes into a very dark world. We are to go and proclaim the excellencies of who He is. We are to proclaim the excellencies of this transcendent God who is beyond what we can even ask or imagine. But this God, though so transcendent, through the reality of the Holy Spirit, is living inside me, in you, in Christ. That's our message. That message continues, though, not just in the form of proclaiming His excellencies, but also in telling His story of rescue. Peter will lay that out for us, not only in this letter, but in his life. And I think this is important for us, because as the world around us is seemingly getting darker, the temptation for the church is to actually change its mission. It is to change its mission in one of two ways, to either compromise in order to fit in or to retreat and play defense. While defense is important, that is never the ultimate posture of the church. Chad said it in a beautiful way as he introduced our confession of faith. You know if you were alive where you were 15 years ago. I was in my office at Chesterfield Presbyterian Church. Our house was about 100 yards away. My dad called my wife, my wife called me. I watched with our staff and then I walked across the churchyard into my backyard, into my living room, and we just stared at the TV. You remember where you were. One of the great images of that evil and horror was people just running as fast as they could away from the towers. But I remember being struck as you looked a little closer that there were men and women running to the towers. And they weren't just standing outside, but they were climbing stairs and they were moving up to rescue. My friends, that is the church. In this world of darkness, the church is the light of Christ, as the Holy Spirit is in us, illuminating out of us. And while we need to be able to give a defense for the truth that we believe, we need to be moving aggressively north, east, south, and west, wherever lost people are, to bring them the excellencies of the Lord to proclaim the wonder of who He is and to tell them that there's one way of salvation and it is in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is done in so many ways that Peter will show us. But most strongly through our conduct and the way in which we love one another and others. The phrase that you'll hear often today, you've heard it all week and you will remember it then was, we will never forget. And the truth is, if you saw it, you never will. Along your life's journey, there are just moments like that. Some of you were alive when Pearl Harbor was attacked. Some of you were present in the city when the president was assassinated. There are those moments that mark our journey. And you can say, we will never forget. And we shouldn't. 
But this is really important. I've talked about identity. I've talked about our mission. I want to talk about mercy. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in with, within one's power to bring punishment justly. God, if you're in Christ, He has shown you mercy. He has shown you mercy this morning. He will show you mercy again. And He has to. Do you know why? Because we cannot say to Him as Christians, we will never forget. Because from the beginning of Genesis to the end, part of those sojourners' story, our people's story, is that they forgot time and time again. And there the Lord reminded them with His means of grace of His mercy. We walk with Him and we get lost and we get distracted. We forget. And then again, we're reminded. My very first trip to China I'm guessing 12 years ago or so. I went to Beijing, me and four others from our church. I could read the signs that were in English, and that's it. I didn't even try to read the Mandarin words. I then went to Chengdu, where we do have an amazing opportunity to continue to work and there I was made aware that there are no words in English. There's no signs. So I was told if I was going to leave the hotel that I needed to take a little card. It's about the size of a business card. And it, it had a little English on it, but not much. And I was told it said, this is, this is what you need to give someone if you get lost. My very first thought was, I don't get lost. And I really don't very often. If, if I've been to your house once, I could find my way back there, even if it was in the middle of the night. I just, I have that kind of memory in terms of, you know, maps and such. And so I literally thought that. I was that arrogant. To help me get through jet lag, I got my tennis shoes on, a pair of running shorts. I went out the hotel. And as I was going out the door, I saw the little card right there. And I thought, I don't need that. I walked out the door, began to walk down the hall, and then I just had this suspicion. Maybe, maybe I might need that. So I went back in, grabbed the car, card, took off running. I, don't, I didn't run a lot. I'm not like some of you that run you know, 80 miles every two or three days. I don't run a lot, but I ran then and I began to run through the city. And as I ran through the city, I was paying very careful attention to where I was so I could find my way back. First thing I realized is, wow, there really are a lot of people here. I'm taller than all of them, but there's a lot of people. And then I realized once again, I, I can't read anything. And I begin to run. 15 minutes into the run, I'm feeling pretty good. 20 minutes into the run, I feel like I know where I'm at. 30 minutes into the run, it's now time to come to an end. I'm gonna turn and head back. 
And I went right back the way I thought I came. And I was so lost. I couldn't read anything. I didn't have a cell phone. I was lost and I was alone. There were three other people that I knew in China in this one city of 11 million people, but I didn't know where they were either. And so finally, with despair on my face, an individual walks up to me who doesn't speak English and begins to ask me for something. I thought it was money, so I pulled some money out. He shook his head. He wanted the card. He could see I was lost. And fumbling through these little bits of paper, he saw it, and then he pointed. And I went, <laughs> I don't know where that, so he walked me back, not very far, to my hotel. I wasn't that far away. My friends, all that we're presenting to you today, and what we present every Sunday, is that is our journey this side of heaven. If you're in Christ Jesus, you have been found. But between now and the moment he calls you home or returns, there's so many times where we think we can do it on our own. We know enough. We don't need a little card that says, I'm a bit lost, would you help me? The temptation in a community like ours is to hide that we're having those feelings. It's to hide that we don't know enough. It's to hide that we are hurting, that we're anxious. It's to hide, to give the image to the world that we've got it all together. But the truth is we don't. And neither did the man who God used to write this letter. Oh, we thought he did. He spoke to the son of God, God himself, who told him he would deny him. And he said, never, I will never deny you. And then three times he said, I do not know the man. The rooster crowed. He saw Jesus. Shame and horror and pain covered him. Can you imagine? But there, his identity in Christ, it was permanent, but at that moment shaken. His mission, Jesus told him he was going to be the rock by which he built his church. Confusing. And then comes mercy. And where was mercy? It was Jesus providing a meal. It was Jesus on the shoreline with fish cooking. And Peter saw him, and he jumped out of the boat, and he swam to his Savior. And Jesus showed him mercy again three times. I believe one for each time he said, I don't know the man. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? He was sad for he asked a third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Mercy. That is the journey we're on. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have a permanent identity. You're his. If you're not in Christ Jesus today, and you know you're not, I want to ask you to consider. Is it possible that today he brought you to this place to show you who he is? Is it possible that you've been running hard 
thinking you knew where you were going and thinking you even knew who you were. Maybe today is the day on your journey where you hold up a card and you give it to someone that you believe who's around you who's a believer in Jesus and you say, would you show me the way? These men who God has called to lead this church would love to meet with you right after the service. I would too. Chad would too. Any of us. But there actually are many around you who believe the truth about Christ. Hand them the card. For many of you today who you know you believe in Jesus, you're saved by his grace, you're seeking to live for his glory, maybe yours is a little different. Though you know your identity is permanent, you're tempted right now to live with a temporary identity as your primary identity. There is no such thing. But the exile and the sojourn is so painful, or the doubt or, or confusion is so great that you're beginning to wonder if everything that he has said is true. Hold up that card, give it to someone, and say, would you help me see the truth about who I am? This morning, we kick off this series of what it means to sojourn together. I need you. You need me. We need each other. This is what the Lord has ordained. The journey has already started. What is certain is we know who we are. His mercy is available. And this table we're about to come to is a table of mercy, a meal of mercy. Before we come, I want to tell you this. It is a table for God's people, not just Presbyterians, but it is only for Christians, those who profess faith in Christ. So when the elements come, if you have yet to profess faith in Christ, I pray that you would use this moment to reflect upon what you've heard and what you've seen. And if this is the moment in which you want so much to give your life to Christ, I pray you would just simply sit there and pray that prayer. Jesus, save me. And then come and talk to one of us. But don't take of these elements if you're not a believer. For you, as the Bible says, will be eating and drinking judgment on yourself. Let the elements pass them by and consider what that, consider what that means. For everyone else, my friends, this is a feast. This is a feast to remind you of your permanent identity and to remind you that as you and I progress, Jesus' faithfulness is real. It's made new each morning. He is here. His spirit is living inside us. And he has come to remind us that we are his. Let's be present in this moment as a body of believers called to this specific time and place, to this sojourn, and let's prepare for the Lord's table. Would you please stand?